Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. So we've been doing a series, uh, an Advent series, and we've had a different word over the last couple weeks, um, theme for each Sunday. And my theme uh, for today, I'm very excited about it. And Reese is like, this is a fat pitch for you, Sarah. We're going to show you what that is in just a second. But we have these Advent candles, and there's probably some proper order. The great thing about candles is you get to light them. And at the end of the day, just so you know, honestly, I'm a pyromaniac. (laughs) And I come by it naturally. I don't know if you know this, my dad was the ultimate pyromaniac. I'm not kidding you. I'll just tell you a quick story on him. One time, we cut down the tree in the back of our house, or back of our yard, and uh, this is the love candle right here. That's what we're doing today. And we cut the tree down, and my dad made him keep the logs, and we had this giant fireplace uh, back in the day over at our house. And what he did was this log was probably from here, maybe to the edge of the stage there, so, you know, long, right? And so instead of cutting it, you know, into pieces, he just took the whole thing and he propped it up on the carpet outside of the fireplace and shoved it in and burned it down slowly (laughs) until he got it all the way in. And my mom was like, I think that's a fire. No, that's not a fire hazard. That's a fire, no problem. (laughs) I think at one point he, he, we used to like light our our Christmas tree wrapping stuff on fire after we'd open presents and I think one time literally there was fire coming out of the chimney um it was so 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 like intense and severe we used to put a wreath over the fireplace and you know like come up out of the fire <laughs> anyways <laughs> I come by it naturally and they're like oh do you want to light the candles I do that would be fantastic um but I don't you're like that's has nothing to do with love you're right it doesn't but uh, I want to talk about love today. And normally in a sermon, I really, really um, enjoy love doing a deep dive on like one thing, right? So if you've done journeys with Jesus with me, you know, I did some deep dive on the Good Samaritan parable, if you ever heard that. Um, I like going deep into like one and, and really exploring. But as I was preparing for this message, I felt like God said, Sarah, that's not my strategy today. I want you to do like broad instead of deep. I want you to do wide and broad. So I want us to consider love throughout history. And I think it's very, very important, significant for us, because um, at the very core of this, we have to keep in mind, 1 John 4, 17, that God is love. So if God is love, and you go all the way back in human history, then when God created the earth, God created Adam and Eve, It was love creating. And so as you look at love over the course of history, you're going to start at the very beginning of human existence. We're going to look at past, present, and future and look at the chorus of love, God's participation in humanity over history. And so if you look at the Old Testament, you're going to see there's primarily two words in Hebrew for love. The first word is the word ahav, A-H-A-V, and oftentimes it refers to like human love. It's like a parental love or, you know, just in general. 
But there's a specific word in the Old Testament that is most frequently used for God loving us. And it is the word chesed. C-H-E-S-E-D, depending on how you spell it. But this word is probably one of the most powerful words ever used in the Bible, I think, for love. And when you look at it in the Old Testament, it's tricky when you look because uh, English translators struggle to communicate what this means, what all it entails. And so chesed has the idea of loyalty, compassion, tenderness, affection. In the English, it's often translated loving kindness. Sometimes you'll read in the Psalms, your loving kindness endures forever. And loving kindness, chesed, is oftentimes, most often, referred to God and God expressing himself in humanity and to humanity. So the premise of God's interaction with humanity comes from the core of love. And it's interesting to note that the very first place chesed is used in the Old Testament is in Genesis 19, 19. It's an interesting, and I, I, I looked at this, I was like, huh, it's very curious, perplexing to me. So the context of this is Lot is escaping from Sodom and Gomorrah, right? This is God uh, judging them for the sin that was going on and for the violence, lots of violence and destruction there. And Lot is running away. And if you remember, they even had to grab, the angels who came to rescue Lot had to grab his hands to lead him out of the city. And as, he's, as they're leading him out of the city, they tell him, run to the hills because the cities are going to be destroyed. And Lot responds and says, your servant has found favor in your sight and you have magnified your loving kindness, which you've shown by saving my life. It's interesting to me that in the, in the context of one of the greatest destructions is also one of the greatest outpourings, individual, personal outpouring of chesed. And I think this is such a powerful, the first introduction of God expressing love to humanity is in this context. But I also want you to consider that it shows up, loving kindness shows up many other times in the Old Testament. In Psalms one. 36, you will see that every single verse starts with a phrase, and then at the end of the phrase, it says, your loving kindness endures forever. If you flip to that psalm and you read it, every other phrase is your loving kindness endures forever. Leolam chesed, ki leolam, help me Isabel, ki leolam chesed do. That's the right pronoun landing. Thank you. You're like, what on earth? That's a little bit of Hebrew. We're just having some banter of fun right there. But this alternates every other phrase. Now, the challenge for us, for me, maybe it's just me, but when I hear that repetition, after a while, I just kind of zone it out. You know, been there, heard that, done. Okay, fine. But I would like to propose to you that the repetition is there to create emphasis, digestion, absorption. And I think when we settle into 
the loving kindness of God and you go back and you reflect and you explore and you consider not only biblically, but in your own life, how has God's loving kindness endured with you, for you, forever? And if that's the beginning, loving kindness endures forever, that means that goes from the beginning to the middle to the end because God is infinite. And genuine love has no begin, beginning and no ending. I've been memorizing Psalms 118. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His loving kindness <laughs> endures forever. Let Israel say his loving kindness endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his loving kindness endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his loving kindness endures forever. This is what God participating in humanity looked like in the Old Testament, in the past. There's a couple interesting verses. Lamentations 3 verse 22 says, your, your loving kindness indeed never ceases. His compassions never fail. Remember singing, singing that song? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord. Lamentations 3.22. This is where we get this. And this verse, this, this word, let's keep in mind that from the very beginning of human history, this is who God is. This is who love is in, human, human in, the, in the expression to humanity. Loving kindness. You're like, well, what about all that vengeance and justice and retribution and righteousness in the Old Testament? 100%, not ignoring it, not dismissing it, and not saying it doesn't exist. But I want us to be very clear and keen and attentive that the loving kindness of God endures forever and ever. And it exceeds, goes far beyond all of the retribution and the vengeance. Thank goodness, thank goodness that the loving kindness of God endures forever. Where would humans be without that loving kindness? We would be non-existent. We're good at destroying ourselves, right? I mean, if you don't know that, study history. It's full on obvious. The next thing I'd like you to consider is God and love um, in present, but I'd also say in the Bible or in the New Testament. So we looked at the past in the Old Testament, but let's look at love in the New Testament. You're like, that's still the past somewhat. That's true. But the word for love most often associated with God in the New Testament, it would be a Greek word. How many of you would kind of take a stab at what that word might be? Starts with an A? Agape. That's a great answer. Agape. Greek word for love. Greek has a lot of words for love. But this one is very, very interesting because it means unconditional love. So it's not based on conditions 
Like you do the right thing, you get love. You do the wrong thing, you don't get love. So it's not transactional. You can't earn it, and that means you can't lose it. Because that's, in essence, who God is. First John 4, 17, God is love. And so when you look at love in the New Testament, and specifically I'd say, let's look at Jesus. Because we recognize Jesus is God. That's kind of standard, we get that. And if we know that God is love, then in essence, Jesus, when he walked on the planet, was walking love. There has been no human expression of love in all of our existence better than Jesus. And no wonder he was irresistible. No wonder people were completely attracted. A lot of people wanted him for what he could do for them, miracles, free lunch, you know, healthcare, all that stuff, which is great, fantastic. But anybody who got around him for any length of time wanted to be with him more and more and more. And you're like, what about all the religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees? Didn't seem like there was a whole love fest there. I would propose to you that Jesus was very much loving the religious people by confronting their deception. He didn't want them to live in that deception and live disconnected, detached from God's love, God's existence, God's plans and purposes for them. He was confronting them from a heart of love. And wherever you see Jesus going, you see him with Zacchaeus, the wee little man in the sycamore tree. Come down, I'm going to have lunch with you today. The religious people are freaking out. Oh my God. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. The son of God came to seek and save that which is lost. Are you kidding me? He's, he, he belongs. He's attached. I love him. I love him and I love you. I Because Jesus is love. He can't help but be who he is. Right? And I would say this to you that one of the coolest verses as far as Jesus loving and expressing love is found in John 13 verse 1. And I know on the slides I jumped ahead here. Actually, I kind of did an audible on this. But I was thinking about this this morning. And in John 13, verse 1, it says, Before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. That verse is always set very deep in my soul. Because this is at the, at the Last Supper. He's with his closest followers. And he knows what's coming. He knows the betrayal of Gethsemane. He knows all the stuff. Everybody's going to abandon him. He knows all that. And it still says he loved them to the very end. And I appreciate that because Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows your flaws, your shortfalls, your deficiencies, shortcomings. And Jesus loves you to the very end. <laughs> some of us in the room, some of us online, we've been doing this church Jesus stuff, born sleeping under pews. Some of us are new to the game. And we're like, whoa, deer in headlights. What are you talking about? Some of us are exploring, curious, looked at Hinduism, looked at Islam, you know, whatever, we're kind of, you know. 
But no matter where you are in your journey, in your walk, and where you are in life, maybe you grew up in church and you've walked away. You're like, yeah, a bunch of hypocrites. Okay, fine. I get it. But at the end of the day, family, (laughs) Jesus loves you, knows you. And regardless of what you do or you don't do, you don't change Jesus. You're not that powerful. (laughs) You don't have the power. Well, if I'm bad, Jesus doesn't love me. You think you're that powerful. Well, if I'm good, Jesus loves me more. Hmm, interesting. I didn't know you you had that much control. (laughs) You can't control Jesus. Jesus is the expression in the flesh of love. And Jesus loves you no matter what you do or you don't do, because that's who Jesus is. So we have chesed in the Old Testament. We have agape in the New Testament. And we look at now. But I'd like to look at the future. Because if we're looking at the span of love over the course of time, past, present, and future, then we have to consider what does Jesus say about the end times, the future? And it's interesting because in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, Jesus speaks to the end times. And he says, because of lawlessness, because lawlessness is increased. Anybody think that lawlessness has increased? Holy buckets. Get on next door and you'll be like, oh, you're like, what's next? Don't worry about it. That's, you don't need to know. (laughs) But lawlessness and stuff that was in the past, basic civility, basic, you know, graciousness, basic um, polite manners. Anybody see that kind of go out the window? Oh my goodness, seriously. The other day I was driving, I had a rental car. I'll tell a little bit on myself, not the whole thing, right? Not the whole thing. But I had this rental car, uh, somebody, I was, and it was, they only had this giant truck. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And the rental car called me a place and they're like, we only have a truck. It's either a truck or nothing. I'm like, okay, fine. And it's kind of big. I'm like, well, okay, I'll figure it out. So I get this truck and it is a Nissan Titan four-door cab, right? It is huge. I can't hardly get it in my garage. When I pull it in, you know, it bumps the little little pull cord on the garage door opener and it keeps getting stuck. So, and I'm driving and, and, you know, how do you park this thing? Right? I mean, seriously. So I'm in a parking lot. It's it's um, noon. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to park way in the, you know, way outside, not where everybody else is. And I park. I try to park. And the lines are not real clear. And so I park this monstrosity of behemoth of a truck. And uh, I pull up. And the guy next to me, he pulls in next to me and just goes ballistic, starts cussing me out. Like, literally cussing me out. I was not friendly back. (laughs) You can extrapolate that if you want, and that would probably be accurate. But (laughs) he starts cussing me out, and I'm like, what are you smoking? You know, and I'm trying. I am legitimately trying. He's like, what is wrong with He calls me names I never heard of. I don't even know what they mean. (laughs) And, and, And then I go into the restaurant, and he's in there. And he says to me, are you stalking me? I'm like, no, I'm not stalking you. I'm like freaked out. What, you know, talk about lawlessness, right? 
So finally I go out and move my truck. I'm like practically shaking, you know, like, but I wasn't, I had my own um, participation in this engagement that wasn't always, you know, gentle and kind. <laughs> so I had my own version of lawlessness. But I, I say that because I think it's an example of lawlessness in our society. But it's interesting because it says because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. I find myself getting cold. <laughs> the gentleman who cussed me out, my love was cold. I wanted to like not do nice things, say nice things, do, you know? My love was cold. And I found myself reacting to him on the same level, but not out of love. I found myself reacting out of unkindness, out of lawlessness. And I think that when Jesus says, because of lawlessness in the end times, the love of many will grow cold. And I don't want to let my love grow cold. I want, and here's what I really firmly believe. It says in 1 John that we love because he first loved us. And so when I am not loving with the Nissan Titan truck thing, the issue isn't that I try to work up and stir up, oh, I should be loving. We all know the shoulds. We got the shoulds, right? We got that down. It's, that's locked in. But I would propose to all of us that the should needs to get backed up and consider that when I am not loving... It is likely because I am not letting God love me. How do I let God love me? I let God love me by being present with God. In that scenario with the Titan truck, there was a split second, like when he's cussing me out at the very beginning, the first, whoa. There was a split second where I was like, I was shocked. What do I do? You know? Then I chose in that split second to react. I didn't choose in that split second to settle into God. You're loving me. You love me. So because you love me, I can respond out of that love instead of my own whatever. And I'm not saying that you lay down and roll over and you're, you know, like milk toast and. I could have responded in a loving way, gracious way. You know, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm really struggling parking this giant truck. I'll try to do better. Let me move up a little bit. I could have done that. And we would have had a, you know, lot less volatile, freaky thing. But I didn't. I didn't settle in. Let God love us. I think sometimes we're so busy doing things, achieving things, earning, I deserve, instead of being. It's interesting, I was thinking about this with the prodigal son. You know, the son, the younger son, who came back to his dad, he said to his dad, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. But before he ever said that, it says the father saw him had compassion on him, ran to him, fell on his neck, 
and kissed him. If you notice that younger son didn't pull away, didn't turn back, didn't regress. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. This younger son didn't do any of that. He let the father love him. In contrast, the older son, the father comes out to him. <laughs> and the older son says, see, look. I have served you my whole life, kept every one of your commands, never neglected. It's all about him. But the father's coming out trying to love the older son. And the older son is angry and keeps the father at a distance. Family, we are God's son, God's daughter. Let us let God love us because of who God is. Not because of what we've done or not, but because God is love. So when I am not loving, before I try to do the shoulds and ought tos, take a pause and back up the train and consider where am I not? How am I not letting God love me? Because if I'm not loving, somewhere there's a disconnect with letting God love me for who I am. So as we think about this, I'd ask you to take a couple things into consideration. Number one, at Christmas, we celebrate Jesus' presence. We celebrate his genuine love. God came into human existence to live with us, to live among us. Number two, let's find ourselves falling in love with Jesus. As in one of those other songs we always sing, I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Remember that? And then finally, I'd like us to consider this. I have a handout for you, you know, me and my handouts. And uh, given the fact that I'm by nature teacher-ish, I have a little bit of homework, but this is good homework. Sometimes we think homework, but this is good homework. So on this handout, each of you will receive I'd like you to consider reading through this handout. There's seven verses that relate to God loving us. I'd ask you to read through these verses. When you first wake up in the morning, on your bedside stand, put this on your bedside stand so when you wake up, this is the first thing that you read. And before you go to sleep at night, let this be the last thing that you read before you turn the light off. You might consider snapping a picture on your phone so you can potentially read it throughout the day. But I'd like for you to read this no less than twice a day through the rest of this year. And let us enter into 2024 full of, established in, overflowing with the love of God in our lives. So as we celebrate Jesus coming, his second return, let's make sure that we have love in our souls and our hearts because of our strong connection attachment with God, who is love. So as we finish, I'd just like to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. I want to pray. Pray for all of us. Pray for those online. Thank you, Father. I thank you for John 3.16. You love us and you gave your only begotten son. I pray Romans 5 verse 5 that 
the love of the Father would be poured into each person's heart through the Holy Spirit, even now. I pray that you would help us to be rooted and grounded in love. I pray that we would know and believe in the love that you have for us and we would remain in your love. Father, I pray for any person who's been deceived, who's been distracted, who's been injured, traumatized. I pray that your love and your compassion, your chesed would come in and bind up the wounds and the trauma, would heal, restore, redeem. I pray for each of us in the room, each person online, that you would help us to walk in the fullness of being your son and your daughter. Thank you for love coming down and rescuing us, setting us free, helping us to walk in true identity, beloved by you. Thank you for loving us and loving through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.